0: you <laughs> So in the beginning, my life is just like quite a lot of British Asian kids' lives, their fathers or parents' owned shops, maybe petrol stations, and um, we lived on top of a newsagent. It was a great childhood, I had loads of free sweets, but I grew up with, um, at the time, my mum, my dad, my paternal grandma and my paternal grandpa until I was four. I didn't realise this, but I was the first girl to come into my family after about two decades. And when I was born, everyone was like, oh my god, it's a girl. Is this real? There's a girl in our family. And people were just, you know, they were so happy that it was a daughter, and it's so strange because the culture that I come from, it's North Indian Punjabi. We're we have this rather notoriousness about us that, you know, oh, we'll favour boys over girls. And to an extent that's true. So when I was born, and I think about when my grandmother was telling me, you know, everyone was so happy when you came into the family, it kind of goes against all of that harsh narrative I guess we hear today. But it was sad in the sense that I always I always felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. Like, I was smart. I loved school. I was the biggest little nerd around, and, and I was a bit chubby too, so I guess that made me a prime target for bullies, you know. But also, I didn't have... Um, the best relationship with uh, my mum. It's a very strange relationship that um, I had and, you know, it, it was bordering on, you know, almost like she didn't like me. And I remember, I think as early as I can, being told that I was fat, ugly and worthless and that no man would ever want to marry me. And I was always being told, why can't you be like your cousins? And that meant her nieces on um, her side of the family. And my cousins, you know, when they were younger, even then they were like much, much slimmer. They had long, straight hair, They their slightly lighter skin. And at first when I heard these things, I thought, I don't quite understand that. What does fat and what does ugly mean? But I didn't know what it meant, but it just made me upset. But then obviously as a little girl, when you grow up and you go to school and you see the other girls with their mums and they're also... So happy, such a wholesome relationship. And you also learn what is considered to be pretty. And that's when I think it started to fit into place. And I think that's when I started to really retreat into this world of like reading, writing, and painting. It was just to find some sort of safety, I suppose, emotionally speaking. It started when I was uh, 14 and uh, my parents separated. And in most situations, we're used to seeing the father up and leave and, you know, ditch the family. But in my case, it was the other way around. It was my mum who um, left the family home. I got left behind. And I remember the first, like, month or so that I was with my dad and my grandma, I used to argue a lot with them. Like, I wasn't happy. I didn't know when I would go to live with my mum because at the time I was under the impression that she would come back for me and I would go live with her but I remember one night I had a particularly nasty argument with my dad and my grandma I ran upstairs to my room and I called my mum and I said mum I can't live here anymore can you please come and take me and she said no and I I thought she was joking and I said what do you mean no and she said no she said you have to stay there and you have to stick it out I said is nothing ready yet is there not enough room where you're living and she said no you have to live with your dad and I don't want you and I said, what do you mean you don't want me? And Why? Tell me what, what's wrong. And at this point, I was so shocked. And she just said, I don't want you because you're a girl. And you have to stay with your dad because I don't want you. And um, that's something that has stuck with me for a long time. my mind went really fizzy. You know, like when you shake up a bottle of Coke. My mind went blank and it started, like, I felt this frothing sensation in my head and in my stomach, I felt like the bottom of it had, like, dropped out. And everything was just... It's like, you know, um, if you were to remove the bottom of a glass and all the water just... Out. That's how I felt. And then I felt numb. I remember I had this weird pain in... um, just across my collarbones and in my forearms it was literally like something had hit me like really really hard and I just I just couldn't really believe and I still remember that that fuzziness in my head and this weird shaking feeling I had in my fingers as well it was a very it was a very um very physical feeling I remember that I mean so much so I still remember it like a decade and a bit later I got off the phone and I I didn't believe what happened and I saw my dad standing at my bedroom door and even he was just shocked that first of all I'd packed up all my stuff and I was a 14 year old and then I looked at my dad and I just cried and I said she doesn't want me she never wanted me and she said she doesn't want me and even then like despite the fact that I'd been so spiteful and horrible to my dad he just gave me a hug and I cried. from that day onwards i mean my dad and i i think we we managed to build our our relationship as father and daughter and i even built it with my grandma as well because i realized these were the two people who put up with me when i was just a disgusting little arrogant rude child shouting at them and they were the ones who had put up with it basically and still loved me and cared for me and taken care of me it was hard See, this is um, the strange thing, because as I grew up, the reason it got harder when I was in my teens is because I'm, I'm growing up with all this language around me saying that, you know, the, the world lies at your mother's feet and, you know, your mum is akin to a godlike figure. You know, a woman can give birth and if, you know, a woman can uphold a household, then everything is fine. But then suddenly the, the main woman in my life had just upped and gone and suddenly didn't want me because I wasn't a boy. I went to an all-girls school so that didn't really make things easier because I would see my friends with their mums and it would it would really hurt me because I thought, well, why couldn't I have got that? I do remember growing up thinking my only regret was that I wasn't born a man and I used to really wish that I had been a boy because maybe the aggression and the, the drive that I put in towards my studies, maybe that would have been better understood. And... Um, I got angry at God (laughs) because I used to just, you know, think, why have you done this to us? I can safely say, looking back, I, I tried my best, but it was never reciprocated. It was never accepted and it was always thrown back in my face. And I was in my last year of university and I was talking to a flatmate of mine at the time and she just said, you know, maybe it's worth a try just one last try and then you know it's done there's nothing so I just thought I will give this the benefit of the doubt and it was strange because before then I hadn't heard her voice in about four maybe five years and we agreed to meet in central London and just have lunch or something so I turned up where we were going and you know she still looked (laughs) similar-ish and then she saw me and what really struck me was the way she just stood up and she looked at me she said Oh my god you look so beautiful and i stood there and i thought that's a complete like u-turn from what i grew up hearing for you know a good 9 10 years of my life and i just said oh thank you and she said in your hair your hair is so so beautiful you've learned to look after it and specifically in punjabi culture we do believe that a woman's beauty is in her hair it's your crown you know you have to you know you have to look after your hair and it's a real compliment if somebody says you have beautiful hair because it's, it's like the nicest thing you can say to anyone. But, you know, we just were talking and it was really weird at first because I did feel like I was talking to someone through a pane of glass. Like, I just couldn't quite believe it was happening. You know, it ended nicely. But then I remember when we were walking back to the train station, we went past these stalls that sell these bracelets and stuff. I hate having anything on my wrists apart from a watch. So that's just practical. And I don't even wear bracelets for that matter. And we walked past one stall and there was a lady selling like these weird little uh, plastic crystal-type bracelets. And she picked one up and she said, oh, this will look nice on you. Paid for it and just shoved it on my arm. And I looked at it and I thought, what the hell is happening? When everything all kicked off, when my mum first left the family home, there'd been a really, really big argument between her and my dad the night before. And, um... And I remember this so, so well because of everything that happened afterwards because it was just like the domino effect. It was after that happened, everything just fell apart, really. So they had a massive argument and the next day I'd got up and I was getting ready for school. But my dad was still at home. And it was really weird because normally my dad, um, he would leave for work a lot earlier than I would for school. And he was still in his pyjamas, but he looked he looked like he was still half asleep but now that i think about it i think he was just in shock of what had been said to him the night before and i I still didn't realize and sometimes i kick myself that you know why couldn't you see that that was a real like breaking point for my dad and i remember saying oh hi dad what are you still doing at home and he just like he sort of nodded at me and i said well i've got to go to school now love you i see you when i come home put on my shoes took my bag and i went luckily that day and I say luckily because of what happened, my hockey practice got cancelled. So I came home early. And, I, and you know, it was wintertime, you know, it gets dark really, really early. So I got home and I heard this snoring. So I looked in the sitting room, but my dad wasn't there. And I thought, where is this snoring coming from? So I went up the stairs and I saw my older brother on the computer. You know, I assumed he was just doing his homework. And I just saw a pair of feet on the landing. And, I, you know, as I came up the stairs, I looked around the corner and there was my dad lying face down sleeping snoring and i was so shocked because i had never seen someone in that state ever and then i just thought what has happened why what's caused my dad to just collapse is is he is he ill has his back hurt or you know is he injured himself and so i said to my brother you know what's happening? How long has dad been sleeping here? And he just said, I don't know. He's been here since I got home from school, which was a good half hour, 45 minutes ago. So I just knelt down. I tapped my dad on the shoulder. I said, dad, dad, it's, it's child. You have to wake up now. And that used to like wake him up because he'd be like, oh God, how long have I been sleeping? What century are we in sort of thing? But he wasn't waking up. And then I just, I got, I started to panic. And I kept tapping his shoulders and I was just rubbing them. And I said, Dad, Dad, please wake up. Can you hear me? Dad, and he kept snoring and he just couldn't hear me. And then I looked at his left wrist and he had cut it. And that's when I really started to freak out and I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God. I just stood up and I looked at my brother and I said, you do realise what Dad's done? He's, he has hurt himself. And that's when my brother got up and he looked and he said, I, I didn't see it. I said... I said I'm going to call mum we need to call mum we have to help him so I ran downstairs and I rang my mum and I said mum you need to come home now dad has has done something dad has hurt himself he's not waking up and he can't hear me and she came through the door a bit later on and I just said he's on the landing look I said he's he's cut himself what do we do although in hindsight it's like why didn't I just call 999 but I guess when you're that young and you're panicked you don't I I just I guess it just didn't cross my mind I just panicked so much and I'd never seen something like that before and then my mum she also you know started tapping his shoulder but then it got to one point where she just put her foot on his back and started like shaking him saying get up get up and I said don't kick him I said he has a back problem what if you make it worse and then she just you know she rang the paramedics and said you know what had been going on and and then they came and they put him into the back of the ambulance and said to my mum do you want to come we're going by the blue lights and she said no no i'll just um come in the car which i thought was a bit weird because surely you'd want to be with your husband in the ambulance and then she looked at me and she just said just stay at home don't tell anyone in the family and i think that's what really stuck with me when she said don't tell anyone and i remember just sitting there just just um i think just in disbelief of what just happened because i didn't understand what my dad had done i remember this day so well because the next day i went to do one of my gcc's early and i sat down in the exam hall and i took my place at the desk and i remember the exam invigilator saying it's nine o'clock you have one hour and 30 minutes, start your paper. And I looked at my paper and I thought, my dad tried to kill himself last night. And I opened the paper and I just did that exam. So that's where it all just, you know, started. And that's why I've never liked anything constricting my wrists. I don't even like, like people touching them or I mean wrist tattoos are beautiful but I couldn't ever have something like that near it because it reminds me of that to me that bracelet symbolized I'm there now and I still have this hold over you and that's something I've always tried to really shift away from when it comes to that bo- that relationship I had with her and so we met up a couple more times, and I think we eventually did learn to relax around each other. It was a little bit like a tiger and a and a sheep being put in the same room. Like you know, you learn to be a bit civil and calm down. But then it it did unfortunately it did go wrong because um, she hadn't told her new husband that she had been meeting me. My mum remarried shortly after the divorce was finalised. He doesn't exactly like me, which is fine because he was never part of the situation anyway. And it all just it just erupted really badly and in the end unfortunately it was my dad who saw it all and again it was my dad who got me through it my dad just said you have to make a decision now he said not for the family but he said but this is for you and this is for your life because you are the one who has to live with this And i just said to my dad i said i can't do this anymore and i cannot have someone like that in my life i am done and i said i have tried and i said i can i can leave this world when i'm older and when i die knowing i tried my best and i sent her a text in the end and i just said you have not changed in the last decade it doesn't matter how much i scream and i shout and i cry at you you will never ever change I have tried my best and this is the last time I ever contact you and I left it and I didn't hear anything back and even to this day I haven't to be honest with you which I guess says it all but in a way it's been a very big blessing because I do think had all of that stuff not happened and had that last meeting not happened I don't think I would have been strong enough to face myself to then say you know what You can face the rest of your life on your own now. And you've got the support of your father, you've got your grandma, you've got your brother, and you have yourself. And I think that's been the biggest comfort going forward. What really crushed me was one day when my dad said, had it not been for you, I wouldn't be alive. And I always say, no, please don't say that please don't ever say things like that because you are here and I don't ever want to imagine a time when you had to leave us earlier than you would need to go sort of thing but we we talked a lot about it when I was growing up and that's that's probably why my bond with him is so close like he he was a mum and a dad to me he had to learn about periods and bras and hormones and all sorts of things like that you know I'm I love my dad you know everything that I have now and what I've achieved is, has purely been because of his support There are so many activists in this world who will talk about feticide and you know sex selection abortions and they talk about the number of girls who are left out in the street by their families but I've never talked to someone else who has had a parent or someone in their family say you're a girl we don't want you especially at an age where they can understand what that means so I do know that as hard as it is whenever I talk about it I mean for me it's a big deal because first of all it's not my shame if that makes sense and secondly the more I talk about it the less of a secret it feels and it makes people aware that this this stuff does happen I was born and raised here you know It's not like my family came from a little village in rural India, and this happened, and I was left out for sundry and whatever. I mean, I I, I'm a British citizen. I was born here, and this happened to me. Your life can change, and it's 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 so um, it's so easy to think that it's going to stay bad for a long time. Because for a long time, I thought my life would just would just be horrible. You know, I thought I, I don't like anybody and nobody likes me. You can change a lot of stuff. And I never thought my life would be what it was. If I could go back to when I was and I was 14 and just say, look what we achieve in the next 10 years, I don't think I would believe it. And just, just be kind to yourself. Just be gentle to yourself because... You know, there's there's a lot of horrible stuff that happens, not just, you know, outside the world we live in, but even inside. I think a lot of us forget that it's our inner world that can either, you know, really shape us or it can really, you know, make us fall apart. It is a harsh world, but what I always remember is that there is so much more beauty and goodness in this world than bad, and I think just knowing that and remembering that, that can... that gives me a lot of hope and I hope it gives other people that same level of hope and comfort.